0: Under the Jews a stumbling block, under the Greeks foolishness, but under them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Now here's
1: your host, Thomas Irvin. Welcome back to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast. Thank you again for listening and tuning in, and coming back and. Um, taking part of the audio and what we have uh, to do here, we're trying to teach the Bible. We want to teach the Word of God. We want to build good, godly people and good, godly homes, and do all that we can to convey to you the truth of God's Word. Today's lesson is a continuation of the the previous TBI that we did, in which we taught on the family, but I was given the great honor of also teaching on adultery and fornication. So this next lesson is on uh, adultery and we want to cover that and it's important to cover in in the context of the family because so often it tears families apart um people don't know how to act they make commitments to people and and then violate those commitments which is a horrendous thing it's terrible and and should should not happen should never happen but unfortunately it does and it happens far too often And it's far too common. So we're going to cover adultery today. And again, this is in the context of raising a family, of having a good godly family. And so I hope you'll take this to heart. I hope it'll be a help and a blessing to you. And I hope you will not commit adultery. (laughs) Lord willing. Now we'll start with Deuteronomy 5 verse 18. Neither shalt thou commit adultery. One of the first things God said. Uh, Right after thou shalt not kill is thou shalt not commit adultery. Fornication and adultery are are dealt with repeatedly in Scripture. They are common themes that God consistently has to deal with and has to battle with. Nearly every society at this point can be characterized by their particular form of sexual perversion. It's just spreading across the world in, in mass numbers it's it's horrendous it's terrible and um and and it it doesn't it doesn't have to exist it shouldn't exist but for some reason it it does exist and it, and it exists in in large form large quantities and so we want to do our best not to be part of that and to trust god and to do what god says regarding those things but the problem now in the west is we're so far beyond adultery and fornication the forms of sexual perversion that people are caught up in these days, it's hard to imagine. I, I don't suggest you try and imagine it. Uh, it's, it's hard to believe that it exists, but unfortunately it does. In, in fact, sexual perversion is so common today that if you don't participate in some form of sexual perversion, you're considered the weird one. You're the one that there's something wrong with you if you don't participate and the wide range of sexual perversion that that is available to you today. If you just say, you know, I'm going to keep myself pure and clean until I get married, and I'm going to dedicate myself to my husband or my wife, people will look at you like you've lost your mind. But if you tell people that you're interested in the most extreme forms of perversion, you're considered heroic, you're considered creative, you're considered, you know, cutting edge, (laughs) but you can cut that edge all you want. I, I love my wife and, and thank God for my wife and, and we'll just keep it right there. We have wonderful children and you, know, you, you all know how that happens. Um, we don't need to go into that. I'm not violating that, the vow I made to my wife. I'm not going to let my mind creep so far down this road that the only thing that satisfies me is some extreme form of perverse activity. God said, thou shalt not commit adultery. That starts with keeping your mind pure. That starts with keeping your body pure. That starts with keeping your your mind occupied with the word of God and focused on, on the things of God, not venturing out into places and looking at things that you should not be taking part of. So when it comes to adultery, preachers face a serious problem. Many people in their congregations have found themselves guilty of this form of terrible misjudgment. I know of a church where, you know, it just terrible things are happening in churches. Let's just put it that way. Things that that ought not to be. And somehow the world has become abundantly comfortable and familiar with not just fornication and adultery, but extremes. We we can't even discuss amongst uh, sane people, the forms of sexual perversion that people are participating in today. It's not as simple as adultery and fornication anymore. Um, but because the world has become so comfortable with it and the church has become so comfortable with the world, too many of God's people are caught up in these things and partake of these things. And uh, God willing, we can we can help turn that tide. So preaching on this topic causes them great harm, especially if they have repented and moved on. Uh, but then we are faced with another problem. How do we inform the next generation of Christians not to get swept up by, by the flood of sexual confusion and make the same mistake? We have to deal with adultery and fornication. We have to preach against it. God put it in his Bible. It's very clear. But we don't want to be unreasonably offensive to people who did make that mistake in the past and have, have moved well on in their life. Okay, so let me state up front Uh, It is not my intent to disrespect anybody, to hurt anyone, to stir up unnecessary bad feelings from, from past events and past choices. If If you were part of this and you repented of it and you moved on and you're living a victorious Christian life now, praise God, keep moving. But the church pastors, preachers, we cannot fail to preach on this topic. It has to be dealt with, and it has to be dealt with in a in a in a serious way. So, at the risk of offending people who made this decision in the past, um, we I have to open the Word of God and warn those who could potentially make it in the future. We don't want other people going down this road. I don't want to go down this road. I don't want those of you who went down this road in the past to go down this road again. So, let's see what God has to say about these things and make sure that we we obey the word and the mind of God concerning them. The main way that churches turn from the truth and turn, turn from high standards to liberal uselessness is through adultery and fornication. It makes its way into the church, to your, your local assembly, and it's so hard to deal with because it means confronting those people and removing them from the church. But what if they're beloved by the church? it it so what it ends up happening is men are crushed under the pressure of having to deal with this, and instead of dealing with it, they they let it remain, they, they kind of sweep it under the rug and move on. Well, then the next time a confrontation is necessary about something less important, like maybe music or some standard haircuts or, or uh, dress codes or whatever it is, whatever line you intend to hold, you lost all credibility when you didn't deal with that fornication when you didn't deal with that adultery it it all went out the window so we we're going to make a make a point now let's take the stand now let everybody know right now what god says about adultery that's what we believe and and how god says to handle it that's how we're going to handle it so please don't do it <laughs> don't put men who want to hold the truth who want to hold the line in a terrible situation by going out and, and getting involved in this situation because you know what the consequences are going to be. And, and pastors, hold that line. The, you, you've got, you, this has to be dealt with from a godly perspective. Um, but when it's not, everything, everything turns. Everything heads down the wrong road. Once a man gives himself over to adultery or fornication, In a society that sees nothing wrong with adultery or fornication, they will help you abandon any semblance of truth or accountability as long as you pretend with them that they are still credible. See, this is what the world wants. They want everyone to just kind of settle into the comfort of their particular form of sin. They call it tolerance. So if you will acknowledge that you're a sinful creature who've done things wrong and they can acknowledge they're sinful people who have done things wrong, then, then what can happen, what will happen is we can't confront each other. We can't tell each other, you know that's wrong, because they'll say, well, you did something wrong. Well, yeah, I did, but, but <laughs> now, there is no but. If you won't hold the line, okay? Now, the standard is not Brother Thomas. The standard is not your pastor. Uh, the standard is not some man. The standard is the Word of God. And while we all might be willing and okay with admitting that all of us have fallen short of the glory and and, and the word of God, all of us should be willing to say, but, but God is right. Though I fail, though I, I don't do things right, though I've done things wrong, though I make mistakes and I do stupid things. And, and unfortunately there's probably more stupid in my future. The word of God is right. The word of the Lord is right. All his works are done in truth. And it becomes this anchor that prevents us from venturing too far down that road. But when we abandon that anchor and we just say, you know, you've done wrong and I've done wrong. And since all of us have done wrong and there's no anchor to point back to, there's no source of right and wrong to point back to that is pure, that is righteous, that is holy. And that allows us to just let's venture down that road till we're all covered with green hair and, and sexual perversion. So we, we, we don't want to do that. We're going to anchor ourselves to what God says. We're going to do what God says. We're going to obey God. And Lord willing, we're going to please God. And that's that's our aim. Now, when it comes to sexual perversion, there are three sins, according to the Bible. Three. There's fornication, which is sexual activity between unmarried persons, uh, it is occasionally used when a married person has sexual activity with an unmarried person, but but the the general standard is unmarried persons. Adultery is sexual activity between married individuals with someone other than your spouse. If you didn't marry that person, if you if you're not locked in with that person through marriage, in a biblical marriage, then you have no reason to be touching that person. And then the third is defrauding. Refusing sexual activity within the bonds of marriage. Um, When you get married, you gave yourself to that person, male or female. Okay, Husband, you gave yourself to that woman. Wife, you gave yourself to that man. Uh, The Bible says you are defrauding that man or that woman, your husband, your wife, when you don't give them what they desire. That one's rarely taught on. <laughs> uh, actually, adultery and fornication are not, are not preached on enough. and That line's not held strong enough. But nobody, certainly nobody goes out and teaches on defrauding one another. At least I've not heard much of it. So um, that's the three types of sexual perversion in the Bible or, or uh, sexual sinful activity. And then there are three types of adultery in the Bible. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 6. And read verses 32 through 33. But whoso committeth adultery with a woman lacketh understanding. He that doeth it destroyeth his own soul. A wound and dishonor shall he get, and his reproach shall not be wiped away. Mm. That's, those are strong words for, um, for people who, who want to toy with adultery and fornication. God takes it very serious. God said you lack understanding. You don't understand. Like you are you're you're not far removed from a dog. A a dog has no understanding. A dog just roams around sniffing things and then when he finds something that he thinks smells good, he he does his business. Well, that's that's the extent of your ability to understand how to use the 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 gift of sexual activity that god gave to man you don't have any understanding you you're, you're just an animal now some people will be excited about that they think it's a good thing to be called an animal and to live and treat you know to live and act like an animal others of you are a little more sensible and would and would prefer to stick to mankind and have some understanding now we it's interesting. He says, lacketh understanding. If you listen to the previous lessons on the family and, and raising children, where was he supposed to get that understanding? Well, one place would be from the instruction, commands, and corrections of his parents. Mom, dad, what is your attitude? What is your mentality about adultery and fornication? He de- the Bible says he destroyed his own soul. And for what? For a moment of pleasure? I hope it's worth it. Just a few minutes of, of pleasure, of feel good. You would destroy your family, your life, your soul. That doesn't seem like a good trade-off. Um, look at Mark chapter 10. And we'll read verses 1 through 12. Mark chapter 10. We'll go through the rest of these quickly. They're, they're pretty self-explanatory, but we'll, we'll, we'll discuss them briefly. Mark Mark chapter 10 verses 1 through 12. And he arose from thence and cometh into the coast of Judea by the uh, farther side of Jordan. And the people resort unto him again. And as he was wont, he taught them again. And the Pharisees came to him and asked him, is it lawful for a man to put away his wife, tempting him? And he answered and said unto them, what did Moses command you? Very important question. He didn't say, what did God command you through the law of Moses? He said, what did Moses command you? And they said, Moses suffered to write a bill of divorcement and to put her away. And Jesus answered and said unto them, For the hardness of your heart he wrote you this precept. But from the beginning of the creation God made them male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother and cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. And so then they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together let no man put asunder. And in the house, his disciples asked him again of the same matter, and he saith unto them, Whosoever shall put away his wife and marry another, committeth adultery against her. And if a woman shall put away her husband, and be married to another, she committeth adultery. So the the second form of adultery, if you go into a marriage, and, and you promise yourself to that person. And then you violate the vows of that marriage by getting a divorce, and that, that man or that woman gets remarried. You have put them in a situation to where they are now committing perpetual adultery in their in their new marriage. Uh, under the law, you couldn't get re- once you got remarried and, and, and you got divorced. It, there were there were severe there were strict stipulations about how that was to happen. In the New Testament, Christ said, "No divorce. Don't do it." If you do and you get remarried, now you're in a perpetual state of adultery. What, what are you going to do? Well, what you should do is to go into the first marriage, the original marriage, with the understanding that this is your only opportunity. And if you were to go into that with, you, with understanding that this is your only opportunity, then, then you, would, you would be far more serious about, about how to handle these things you you wouldn't toy around with it you wouldn't try and pretend that that you have a way out of this marriage you'd be more careful about your original choice which you should do and then you'd be far more careful about maintaining that marriage which you should do and a marriage does require maintenance requires effort requires time and it requires fidelity and and the more the more dedicated you are to that marriage then then the, the the much stronger chance that it's going to survive is going to make it that the two of you are going to stick together. if both of you go into it with the idea that I don't get another shot at this, I get one marriage. I understand you can jump out into the world or to some liberal crooked church and they'll tell you to get married and divorce and remarried whatever you need, whatever your heart desires <laughs> um that's not how it works with god 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 says you get married you're that's it you're married stay there. There's, there's no jumping around and, and well, it didn't work out. I don't, I don't, you know, I'm not happy. I'm not in love anymore. Whatever that means. None of it is, none of it is, is in line with reality and none of it is in line with the word of God. So, so don't do it. The people say, I I fell in love. Well, get up, stop falling. You don't fall in love. Love is a choice. And the, the continuation of love is a choice. What you fell into was some form of infatuation. You fell in love with an idea, not a person. Because when you love that person, you're dedicating yourself to that person, and then you need to do what is required to maintain that marriage, that relationship, and, and keep it together. And if you don't, well, then you commit the second form of adultery if you get remarried. Look at Matthew chapter 5, and let's read verses 27 through 30. Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee, for it is poss- it is profitable for thee to that, that one of thy members should perish and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee, For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. God said, keep your eyes where they belong if you can't pluck them out. Keep your hands where they belong if you cannot pluck them out. (laughs) And so the third form of adultery is adultery that you commit in your heart, in your mind. Everybody understands that men... In reality, everyone understands in reality. I can't speak for the, for the people who have exited reality and, and live in la-la land and, and, and make up gender pronouns and all sorts of other uh, really strange things that don't exist. But in the realm of reality, okay, everyone understands that men desire women. That's a natural thing. There's nothing wrong with that. The problem is when you don't get control over those desires. If you're walking down the street, sir, and you see a beautiful woman, there's nothing wrong with saying, with acknowledging she's pretty, she's beautiful. Now, not, don't do that at the expense of damaging your relationship with your wife. But the point is God made us in such a way that we see, we desire, we, we enjoy beautiful women. Okay. It, it, it better stop with the look. I saw her. She's pretty. Move on. Move on. You don't continue to stare. You don't, you don't go from staring to thinking because that thinking is going to go from thinking to, to physical desires. And you're going to keep on. You're going to keep on until, until the looking and the thinking stir up the body. And then the body is not going to be able to contain itself and prevent itself from, 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 physically playing out what you saw in your mind. You don't want to do that. that. That's not a position you want to put yourself in. You can't stop yourself from seeing people. And some of those people are going to be pretty women. You can stop yourself from allowing ungodly and potentially dangerous thoughts from lingering in your mind. Capture those thoughts, bring them into subjectivity to Christ, and move on. And if that doesn't work, then do what the Bible says and flee, (laughs) run. The Bible says flee fornication. Look at second. This is very interesting. Look at second Peter, second Peter two verses 14 through 16. Let's see what God says. Verse 14, having eyes (laughs) full of adultery, man, that, that is descriptive of the world we live in today. In fact, it fits perfectly in the context of what second Peter says chapter two is talking about having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin, cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls and heart. They have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children, which have forsaken the right way and gone astray following the way of Balaam, which is directly related to fornication and adultery. Who loved the wages of unrighteousness but was rebuked for his iniquity, the dumb ass speaking with man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet. So they followed Balaam. They made sexual immorality acceptable to the masses, and it begins with your eyes. Then it affects your heart. And finally, it causes your body to, to participate, to move. And you don't want to be a part of that. Um, adultery and fornication are lusts of the flesh Galatians 5 tells us that that these are the lusts of the flesh and they war against the spirit and and so you're supposed to walk in the spirit in Mark 10 the Lord said that Moses gave you some options because of the hardness of your heart but in Galatians the Lord says we are taking away the options that caused you to harden your heart (laughs) you've got the spirit the spirit of God now and so Your relationship between husband and wife, they have to be focused on each other. You've got to follow through with what you promised God. We're going to live together. We're going to make this work. We're going to have a good, godly relationship because there are no other options, and I want to enjoy the relationship that I have. Now, for me, I married a wonderful woman. She could have chose a better man, but I chose a good woman. and. I love my wife. We have a wonderful relationship. I don't, have, I don't have any desire to go looking around somewhere else. I want to nourish the relationship I have with my wife. I thank God for my wife. If that's not the situation that you're in, you're in terrible danger. If your situation is that you're frustrated and fed up with your, your spouse, you're in great danger. You need, to get the, you need to get that fixed before it moves on from frustration to physical activity somewhere you shouldn't be. I'm not going to destroy my family. I love my wife and my children. I'm not, not going to come home and face my daughter knowing that I went out and did something and, and took part of something so ungodly that the, only, the end result is total destruction. It will ruin my family. It will ruin my testimony. It will ruin my my work here in Uganda or anywhere else in the world. You have no credibility if you can't keep your hands where they belong. You can't be trusted with, with the most delicate things in life, the love of another person, the fidelity of another person. Don't do it. Stay faithful. Trust God. Thank you for listening. God bless.